We were over in Colossians chapter 4, verse 3. Last week we looked at verse 2, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it. With thanksgiving, we looked at the three motivations we need to have in our prayer life. That if we make sure we keep those things in, we will stay in faith. We'll stay on the right side of prayer and not get on the wrong side. But here he says in verse 3, Meanwhile, praying also for us. Some translations put it along with, as, as you do, things like that. So, while they continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving, uh, don't forget to pray for us. That God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. The us here is probably the co-workers he lists in the verses here at the end of the chapter. We'll get to them another week, probably next week. But he says, pray that God would open a door. Now, does God want the door open? You would think so. If you're going to pray for God to open the door, you think that God would want the door open. Does Paul want the door open? So Paul wants the door open. God wants the door open. Why are we praying? Well, the Paul's telling us that we need to pray for the door to be open. We know that God wants the door to be open. We know that Paul wants the door to be open. There's got to be a reason why we ought to be praying. We need to pray for open doors. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 8, But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great... An effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. So a great door is open for him, but there are also many adversaries. Just because you have an open door doesn't mean you have an open way. That door may be open. But there are still people who want to come in there and and, uh, close that off. So this one, he says, For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. This verse would seem to indicate that there are adversaries, there are uh, people, things, spirits out there that desire that those doors not be gone through. And so at least in the beginning, they're trying to keep the doors closed so that you can't get through. And if you get the door open, then they want to make it tough for you to get through it. So he's, uh, he's saying we have this great door that is open, but there's many adversaries. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord. So if the Lord had opened the door to him, that meant the door up to that point was closed. That there was a closed door, a closed door where God wanted him to go. So he says the Lord opened it to him. So God can open doors. A door was opened to me by the Lord. God can open up doors of opportunities for you. In Acts chapter 14, verse 27, Now when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them, and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Again, God's opening the door. Acts 16, verse 6, Now when they had gone through Phygeria, In the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Well, that would seem to indicate that there was an open door there. But God said, don't go through it. Because they were going to go. And if you're going to go, that means there was an opportunity, there was an open door. There was some way that they could go. But the Spirit of God said, don't go. 
The only thing that stopped him was not a closed door. What stopped him was the Spirit of God saying, don't go. Of course, you may ask, well, well, doesn't God want the gospel to go there? Well, sure he does. But Paul wasn't the one to take it. Somebody else may have been. Just because you have an open door does not mean that you should take it. You've got to listen to the Spirit of God. After they had come to Mycenae, they tried to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit did not permit them. Not a closed door that stopped them. It was the Spirit. So passing by Messiah, they came down to Troash, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision immediately, we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the, the next day came to Napoleus, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of the part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. So, again, he's praying to the Lord, Lord, open this, this door, or he's seen an open door, and the Lord says, don't go through that open door. We are not, as Christians, to be led by open and closed doors. The fact that he has says, pray for an open door, does not mean he is being led by open doors. There's many Christians who want to say, you know, Lord, if you want me to go this way, open the door. That is a garbage prayer. should never come out of a Christian's mouth. Never come out of a Christian's mouth. Because you are led by the Spirit of God, not by an open door and not by a closed door. If the door is closed and God says to go through, then either that door is opening or the wall is coming down. One way or the other, you're going to get through. If the door is open and God says don't go, it doesn't matter the wall does fall down. Do not go in that direction. The enemy loves it when people are led by opened and closed doors. We think that if you know God opened the door, then it must be good for me to go. And that's not the case. You get yourself in all kinds of trouble. And we sold, I remember I sold cars for a while. And in selling cars, one of the things we were trained to do, or ta- taught to do, is that uh, look for payment buyers. Someone who wants to buy a car within a certain payment. So say, if you walk into, and don't ever do this. Do not ever do this. Don't become a payment buyer. Don't walk into a dealership and say, I don't want to spend more than $350 a month, or $150 a month, or $250 a month, whatever it is. No matter what the payment is, do not become a payment buyer. You will not leave happy. At least if you are happy, it won't be for very long because you'll find out what happened. So they told us all the things they could do to payment buyers. And, you know, I didn't feel like doing that to, to people, so I certainly would stay away. But if you can be swayed into, and if you don't go in as a payment buyer, the car dealership is going to try and get you to become a payment buyer. Because one of the questions they will ask you is, how much can you put down? And how much do you want to spend on a month? Seem like very legitimate questions. Well, I have a thousand dollars to put down. I have a trade in, and I don't want to spend more than this amount of money. And so, you know, they begin to, to work on things. But there are so many things you can do to make that payment work. You have to understand what is it that I want to spend on a car, and how much interest am I willing to pay? See, those are the two things you ought to be looking at. Not the payment. How much am I willing to pay for the car? And how much 
am I willing to pay an interest? Because really, those are the two things that dictate the entire deal. And you have to work within, within that. But if they can get you to be a payment buyer, they can stretch things out to seven years. They can stretch things out maybe even further than that. They can, uh, they can work all kinds of, you know, if you stretch it out further, you're paying a higher interest rate, but you're getting a lower payment. You're just paying on it for a longer period of time. And so they have these things that they can, they can work out and they can do to get you into that payment where you said that if we can get you this car for $250 a month, you take it. We got it. We're there. We're $249.95 a month. You know, spread out over a lot of years, and you've got to put more money down than you wanted and, and something like that, but you, you got there. Don't become a payment buyer because now you're going to feel like you've got you to buy that thing. And so, you know, whenever I was in there, I'm a pain in the neck to deal with for those guys. Because when I'm on the other side of the thing, you know, they're trying to steer me into a payment buyer. I don't care what the payment is. I want to know how much am I paying for the vehicle and what is the interest rate that you can give me. If I don't like your interest rate, I have another place to go. And they really don't like to hear that because there's money to be made on the back end of the deal. And they want to make that money. So don't, don't ever go in as a payment buyer. You will get, it, will not, it will not go well for you. I've seen what they have done to other people, and it's not good. Don't be an open-door Christian looking for open doors. It's a terrible way to be led. Just because the door is open does not mean that God opened it. Because if God can open doors, so can others. And if you're going to be led by an open door, I mean, didn't the devil in the garden open up a door? Here's the door. We have the door open for you to become as gods, knowing both good and evil. All you got to do is walk through the door. That seems easy if I walk through the door, get to be as God, knowing both good and evil. Don't become an open door Christian. You got to have the discipline that if you see an open door, and it looks enticing, but your spirit, remember the peace of God, it's your empire, the peace of God is saying, mm-mm, Mm-mm. that you walk away. And if you see a door closed and you hear the Spirit of God saying, uh-huh, then you go after it and you stay with it. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the Word. Open up a door for the Word. There are forces out there that can close the door on the Word. Most of them, of course, are going to be spiritual, but some of them are, are people. People can close the door on the Word. We've got to pray that God would open us a door. You can pray that God would open us a door for you to speak the word at your job, in your neighborhood, in your family. God, I'm looking for an open door to speak the word to these people in this situation. And begin to pray for it. Pray for an open door. You can do it. I mean, have situations where you've gone up there with the gospel and it seems to be closed all the time. What your prayers ought to be is, Father, I want an open door to share the message of the gospel with so-and-so in this situation, with this over here. That God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I also am in chains. <clears throat> that I may make manifest as I ought to speak. That I might make manifest as I ought to speak. Now what he's talking about here is that we can sometimes get in the way. I want to share the gospel, but sometimes I can get in the way. I can say the wrong thing. 
I can stir up the pot in the wrong way. I can speak my own desires or passions instead of God's. I can speak the things that I get passionate about instead of the things that, that God is. And whenever you get in, into a situation where you're teaching, where you're ministering, where you're talking with people about the gospel, there's always that possibility that your own passions will get going. Because we are passionate about things that God may not be as passionate about as we are. And we have to be careful that I don't make his passions to be my passions. Because just because I'm passionate about it doesn't mean that he is. And I can't pass that off as, as such. Now, I've got to do that a whole lot of times, especially in the political area, because I love pursuing what people in this country are doing politically. And I get so much information in a week that I could share with you every single Sunday what is happening politically against the church, against the things of God. I could share, I, I know these things. They're, they're, I'm very familiar with them. I know the facts. I know the figures. I know where things came from. I know who said what and how they said it. But I have to be careful when I come in on Sunday morning that I don't share my passion, that I share what God wants to say in it. And so even sometimes I share some of those things. I say, well, God, did I, was it mine or was it yours? Because we can sometimes get in the way of the gospel. And we have to be careful. We have to watch it. That I make may manifest. Pray for Paul, he's saying. That when I get in there and that door of opportunity is there, that I say the right things to take advantage of that opportunity. I can't just speak my own desires and passions. I've got to speak those that are of the Father. Things that he has to say. Put this in your outline for you. Just because I open my mouth to speak doesn't mean the Holy Spirit fills it. Or a whole, I, I've listened to ministers because I listen to a lot of podcasts and, and some of them get me to pull my hair out and some of them just frustrate me to no end and eventually you can find some, some folks that just stick with the Word and get into the Word and do stuff with the, with the Word of God. But sometimes I get this attitude from some ministers who feel like because they are anointed, because they are in the, the podium, and because it's Sunday morning, whatever it is they say is of God. Well, I don't know why I said that. It must be God. I've heard people say that out of their mouth. And just because you said it doesn't mean that it's God. Just because I said it, I know it doesn't mean that it's God. I can say things and it'd be just me. And boy, I try and work to eliminate that. To, to, to make sure that I, that I don't. There are a lot of times I, I sit and say, Father God, I'm just not sure if that's just my passions or whether it's yours. And I just let it go. And I just go on to someone else. In a private conversation, I might pick that up and talk with somebody. But in the, I, don't, I don't take it up in other ones. You've got be, to gotta be careful. Just because you open your mouth to speak doesn't mean the Holy Spirit is going to fill it. He can fill it, but it doesn't mean that He will. We have to make sure we don't get in the way. So Paul says, pray for me, that I can make manifest, that I can make clear, that I can make known the gospel. One that I'm in chains for. I want to be able to make known the gospel. I've got to make known to this, these folks what, what's going on with this, how this is, is happening. Because sometimes we, we can even know some things, but we're not exactly sure how to do it. Not exactly sure. You know, this, I've been talking a little bit. I don't usually talk about this as much, but I've been talking a little bit about uh, the next series coming up. The reason for it is because I'm excited about this next series. I am really excited about this next series. I am so excited about this next series. I've asked God, I said, God, don't come back for the church until I get the next series done. 
And I really want him to come back tomorrow. I mean, that's, <laughs> I just want to get pulled out of this place. I, that's, that's what I want. But I get so excited about this one because these are principles I've known for years, but never pursued them as far as the word was concerned. I just knew that they were principles that worked. And so since I, I pursued them on that, I asked them, I said, oh, I never saw that in that scripture. But as we said to you on Sunday, when you see these, these things, anything that has gone on in your life that it has been in for a long time, chronic conditions, chronic pains, whatever it might be, these principles will help get them out of your life. Because most times what Christians want to do is you want to go up front, have hands laid on us by somebody who has miracle, miraculous power, have the miraculous power come in, take care of that thing, and then, glory to God, we'd be done. Have you ever had hands laid on you for a chronic condition and the thing came back? The principles for the next series are going to help you set, get free from that. That's why I'm getting excited about it. And I keep writing down more stuff and getting more stuff, but I have to get this part of this. This, this series we're doing now is real important to understand it in the next one. So I'm staying with it. I'm being patient. <laughs> being patient, kind of staying with it and, and going on. But I want to make sure... You know, when I'm doing this, I said, Father, I just want to, I got to make sure that it's not my passion. I, I have to show you the things that are in my life where I've seen these things work. I can't tell you the things that are in your life that make, make it work. I can tell you the things that are in my life that make it work. And so, with, you know, when Sharon says, well, I don't want this, I don't want this to get in the way. You know, I'm having all these conversations with them, writing down these things that, that we can do. But, oh, I'll tell you what, it'll help. We'll get there. Meanwhile, praying also for us, that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I might make it manifest as I ought to speak. Just because he speaks doesn't mean he speaks the way he ought to speak. And so that's what he's saying. Pray for me that I speak the way that I ought to speak. And we can pray that for ourselves too. Pray that you speak the way you ought to speak. Verse 5, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside redeeming the time. Who are those that are outside? Heathen. People that are not believers. People that are not following after God. But he says, walk in wisdom toward them. Toward those who are outside. We've got to walk in wisdom to people that are not born again. Because they don't understand the same things you do. They don't see the same things you do. They don't walk in all the wisdom that you do. They don't walk with the presence of God that you do. They don't walk around with the joy of the Lord that you do. There's a whole lot of things that are missing in their life that you just have as part of yours. They don't have it. You've got to walk, walk in wisdom toward them. You look at their condition and say, man, you poor slob. <laughs> you can't have that attitude towards the unsaved folks. <laughs> you can't, they can't be picking that kind of a vibe up from you. You've got to walk in wisdom towards the, the people that are unsaved. And uh, listen to what it is that you say. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. Now, if we're going to walk in wisdom, how are we going to get that? We gave you four things here. We obtain wisdom from first off worship. In Proverbs 9 and verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Well, what is worship? But a fear of the Lord. We come into a respect and awe of God. And that's what our worship is. It's bringing our awe, our respect for God. When you do that, wisdom comes in. 
Now, the world doesn't worship God. They disdain him. They cast him aside. They don't think much about him. But we walk in worship with him. And through that worship comes wisdom. Wisdom will come to you through that. Through the word, Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. The word will give you wisdom. It's not wisdom that the world will recognize, but it is wisdom. Listen to how God would have you speak it. Remember, make sure you speak the way you ought to speak, not just the way you want to. I mean, you all know there's some people out there, you, there's a way you want to speak to them, and there's a way you ought to speak to them. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. In Colossians 1.28, we see godly instructions involved in wisdom. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Teaching every man in all wisdom. You will receive wisdom from other people that are around you. As we receive instruction from the other people, we grow in wisdom. Never get above instruction. Constantly be receiving it. Wisdom will come to you. In James chapter 1, verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally, and without reproach, it will be given to him. Prayer is another way that you get wisdom. So here's, here's ways that we can tap into wisdom. We can get wisdom. Make sure that you walk in wisdom towards those that are outside. The way that you walk towards those that are outside is different from the way that you walk towards those that are inside. But make sure you walk in the way that you should. He then says, redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. This same phrase is used in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Verse 15 again, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. So when you walk, you're walking, you're seeing all the things that are going on. It's not like, you know, some of those people that are walking around, they got their phone in their hand and they're, they're just <laughs> focused right here on the phone. Just right there on the phone, not looking at anything, looking at the phone. That's not a good way to walk. It's also not a good way to drive. We're going down to the chicken, uh, Nikolai to the airport on... Uh, I guess it was um, Monday. And uh, we didn't get five miles from the house and two people are looking at their phones and not driving right. Not accelerating when they're supposed to, when the light turns green and then going very slowly once they finally do get going. And we drove and we get to the spot where you can pass them. You look over and they're over there looking at their phone. The road's out here. I'm looking at my phone here to the side. That gets me angry. I, I shouldn't be doing it. Somebody else was just, they were on their phone. I'm not opposed to people being on the phone when they're on the car, but get it out of your hand. There's too many devices out there to help you not have to, to do that. I like mine, love mine. It's all wired inside. As soon as I walk in, my phone connects, and if somebody calls, I don't have to take my hands off the steering wheel. Just push the button, and it answers the phone, and I can look straight ahead and talk to them. It even reads me text messages if I wanted to. It'll come on and say, you have a text message from, and it tells me who I have a text message from, and it says, uh, would you like to hear it? I can say no, <laughs> or I can say yes. And if I say yes, then it'll read it off to me. Then it even says, do you want to reply? <laughs> and if I say yes, it'll say, what do you want to say? And I can say it, and it'll, uh, I never take my hands off the, 
the wheel. Never uh, lose my focus from the road. So it's enough of these devices that are out there that people don't have to be doing this. They don't have to be over there. You know, this is person they're holding their and they're, they're, they're just, they're not driving right because they've got one here and they're over here. And it's like, come on. These devices aren't even expensive anymore. If you can't get one, put your phone down. How is it you can have a $500 phone <laughs> and can't afford a $15 device so you can put the thing in your ear? I don't understand that. See then that you walk circumspectly. Be looking around. Don't be distracted by little stuff. That, uh, you know, looking on your phone. and No, you've got to be looking all the way around. You've got to see all the things that are uh, around going on. Look around. See what's going on. Not as fools, but as wise. As a Christian, folks, you can walk around as a fool. I know you all know that because you all know Christians that are fools. But don't be on that side. Be on the side of the wise ones. Walk and be, be wise. See that you, that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Take the time that you have and make the best use of it. Walk in wisdom. Don't be foolish. Don't lose your perspective. Don't lose sight of the goal. See what's going on around you. Always see what is going on around you. If you walk this way, you're going to be redeeming the time. You're not going to get lost in the, in the wrong kind of things. He says redeeming the time. We've got to make sure that we continue to walk in that way. Well, he goes on here. Let your speech always be with grace. How often? Always. That means 24 hours a day, whenever it is that you're talking, seven days a week. You don't get Saturdays off. You certainly don't get Sundays off. Let your speech always be with grace. Now think back to the last week. Can you think of a time when your speech was not grace? <laughs> but he's telling us here, let your speech always be with grace. Now if it's always with grace, that's going to mean with those that are saved. And those that are unsaved. Because if it's always, that's pretty much going to encompass all the time whether you're with somebody who's saved or whether you're with somebody with, that, that's not saved. But how many times out of our mouth comes harsh things? Harsh words. Not seasoned with mercy. Not with grace. Nope, we got harshness there. Shouldn't be doing it. Let your speech... Let your speech, let, it's up to you, isn't it? Let your speech always be with grace. What if you only have one let up in the entire week? How did you do? Yeah, you didn't make it. That's it. Let your speech always be with grace. Now this is going to help you when you're dealing with the unsaved. Because their speech is not always with grace. In fact, it gets a little foul at times. Sometimes you may want to cover your ears. I don't, I don't like to hear that kind of talk. I don't like to hear that kind of stuff going on. And um, you know, I do this with movies. 
You know, sometimes you watch those movies, and just because I can watch an R-rated movie doesn't mean I am. Because sometimes the language in those things, I learned a long time ago, I just, tu- I just turned them off. I said, I just, I just can't take it. I don't like all the cussing. I don't like all the harsh and the angry language and not all that sort of, I just don't like it. When I sit down and watch the movie, I like to feel good afterwards. I like to be glad afterwards. That's my view. That's not your, saying it's your view. But you see, I get around that kind of speech. I like to hear that kind of speech because then when I go out, guess what kind of speech I'm speaking? Grace. Grace. That's, that's my way of doing it. You guys want to go another way? I heard somebody a long time ago, back when I used to spend some time watching R.A. movies, and uh, they said they challenged me, and they said, you know, some of that language in there says, yeah, I know, I don't like that language. We're not talking about, you know, movies where they're taking their clothes off and stuff like that. Just the, the language is just harsh. And, well, I just try and get past the language, and just because you know, the movie's good, I just, I can't get past the language anymore. It just, it disturbs me on the inside. And I get away from there, and yeah, I just don't feel good. I don't even need to do that with it. I mean, sometimes the PG ones just get me. This is stuff they're allowed to do in a PG movie. It sometimes just gets me so much, I go back over to Hallmark. Go <coughs> <laughs> rail back over to Hallmark. You know what? They don't, they don't even have dating people in the same room. I know. <laughs> I think that's just fantastic. I just like it. I know the, 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 the drama is just not there. The acting is not all that great. And the, the, the storyline is always the same. I understand all that sort of stuff. I, I, I know all that, but oh, man. Sometimes. Let your speech always be with grace. Don't, don't accept anything else out of your mouth. Let it always be with grace. It will change you. It will also change the people that are around you. But it will change you. Speak with grace. Let your speech always be with grace. Not mostly. Always. Then he goes on and he says, seasoned with salt. Seasoned with salt. Now salt is purifying. It's a purifying influence. It has an enticing effect. You ever had something my wife made up, something the other, the other day, she brought it on in, we were eating it, and before I even got a chance to, to start it, she took a bite and said, oh, it needs salt. So I took a bite and said, yep, needs salt. Put some salt in there, oh, it was so much better, so much better. I don't need a whole lot of salt in my diet. I very seldom grab for the salt shaker and put salt on. I don't know why that is. I just, uh, I, I, I don't need it, but, um, you know, there's some things that just need salt. Baked potatoes. They, they need salt. They need, for me, they need salt. They need butter. They need sour cream. They need salt. Nope. You need to pile that stuff on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Eggs, not so much. I can eat them with salt. I can eat them without salt. I can do all sorts of stuff with that. But, but see, it, that, that salt has that enticing effect. But you look at some people. I'll tell you what, they salt everything. And they put a lot of salt on it. A lot of salt. I I'm not too much on this thing, you know, low salt diets and all that sort of stuff because not enough salt is more of a problem than too much salt. That's a, that's a much more of a health risk if you're not getting enough salt in your diet than it is if you got too much. I don't know if anybody knows, everybody knows that, but look it up. You will find out low salt, that, that, can, that can pretty much kill you. Your body needs salt and it will crave salt when it's not getting it. But uh, you don't need to dump the whole thing on the 
on the meal either. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. In other words, when people hear you speak, they should want to hear more. It shouldn't be bland. It should be, oh, I tried. Oh, that was good. Let me have some more. They should want some more. They should look forward to when you speak. Because your speech is with grace and it's seasoned with salt. Put this in your your outline. To say what is spiritual, wholesome, fitting, kind, sensitive, purposeful, complimentary, gentle, truthful, loving, and thoughtful. That's speech that is filled, filled with grace. Ephesians 4.29 says this, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. It's a good verse. Probably have that one memorized. If not, you ought to. <clears throat> Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. It doesn't mean that if you get angry, it's okay. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But... What is good for necessary edification, that it may impart what? Grace to the hearers. Now, of course, Paul wrote Ephesians. He wrote Colossians. Let your speech always be with grace. So he's telling both groups here the same thing. That your speech needs to have grace in it. Doesn't mean that you can't correct. Because we know Paul corrected. We know that Paul rebuked. But there's a grace to that. When he has his eyes on the punishment that they're going to get. I need to speak this to you. I need to be harsh with you now so that down the road you don't have more sadness. I need to deal with this now so that down the road you don't get more judgment. But his, his idea was always for grace. For the benefit of the people that are there. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. You cannot have a pat answer. Because how you answer one is not how you answer another. You need to learn how am I supposed to answer each one. So when one person comes and asks you a question, well, I know how I answered this before. I'll just answer it the same way. No, you still go to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, how do I answer this question for this, these people? What is it that I need to, to get to? And listen to the Holy Spirit. He'll, he'll help you. He will season your speech with salt. So that the people want to hear more. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Don't ever sit around thinking, well, how am I going to answer this? Remember Jesus taught his disciples, don't ponder what you're going to say when they drag you before the courts. Just know the Holy Spirit's going to give you the answer when you need it. Don't be all that nervous. Don't be thinking, well, somebody's going to ask me a question and I don't know how to answer. Depend on the Holy Spirit. Make sure that your answers are with grace. Walk in wisdom to those that are, that are outside the church. Understand they're outside the church. They're not tapped into all the things that you got. First Peter 3.15 But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Always be ready. Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Just be ready. And how you get ready is just know the truth. Know the truth. And then as you know the truth, and you get there, the Spirit of God says, share this part of the truth with them. Because understand, they're in the world. 
We're not going to understand all the truth. In fact, you can take a pretty good uh, dose of truth at any particular time. Uh, heathen, not so much. They can only take a little bit. And then it just puts them in overload. They can't handle anymore. I put this in your outline for you. If a door is closed, it doesn't mean it should stay closed. Just because a door is closed doesn't mean it ought to stay that way. You may come upon a closed door and God says, I want you to go through it. When the children of Israel came to Jericho, what did they find? Closed doors. What did God do? He opened them. Just because the door is closed doesn't mean it's supposed to stay closed. If a door is open, it doesn't mean we should walk through. Just because somebody gave you an opportunity doesn't mean you should take it. Because it may take you out of the will of God. You've got to listen to God. God, should I take this open door? The Spirit of God, the peace of God that's on the inside of you. It umpires your, your life. And it'll say, yes. Or it'll say, no. And that's all I need. Here's an open door. Do I walk through? No. All right, we go over here. Here's a closed door. Do I walk through? Yes. But see, too many Christians are walking around and looking for open doors. Well, that door's closed. I guess I'll go over here. Well, that door's closed. I guess I'll go over here. Well, that door's closed. I guess I'll go over here. Oh, there's an open door. All right, this is what the Lord wants me to do. Put this in your outline for you. There's a difference between recognizing opportunity and seeing an open door. There is a difference between recognizing opportunity and seeing an open door. God may have great opportunity for you, but right now the door is closed. Get from God the direction you are to go and pray that whatever is in the way is removed. Father God, you told me I'm supposed to go this way. Right now, this is stopping us. This is a hindrance. This is in the way. So, Father, I pray right now, move that out of the way. Move it out of the way. I want to see this opportunity through. I want to walk on through. Be learned to be led by your spirit, not by circumstances. Because people who are led by open and closed doors, is just another word for being led by circumstances. If the circumstances are good, we go forward. If the circumstances are bad, we don't. Don't be led by those things. If the door is closed, God, am I supposed to open this door? If the door is open, God, am I supposed to take advantage of this open door? Remember, Paul, just because the door is open doesn't mean you are not supposed to go through it. Paul said the Lord opened up some doors to him. So he walked through. Some other times he found some doors that were open. And God says, don't go there. So he went, went on to another spot. Listen to the voice of God and not to the open and closed doors that are ahead of you. If you learn that practice, the opportunities that God has will come to you. You will see them. You will bring them about. Because many people, spiritual forces and natural forces, are trying to keep you from the things that God wants you to do. Don't let them do it. You make sure. Consult with your God. God, is this the direction I'm supposed to go? Is this what I'm supposed to do? And then let him 
do some moving and shaking. Father God, I need that door open if this is going to happen. And you pray for that door to be opened. Pray for that obstacle to be removed. Whatever it might be. And God will do it. Father, I thank you for the way that you help us. That our life is guided and directed by you. By your spirit. We listen. We hear. We're not directed by open doors. We're not directed by closed doors. We're directed by you. And wherever we go, and whatever we do, walking through doors, avoiding doors, our speech is always controlled by our spirit. We will speak with grace. We will speak with words that are seasoned with salt. We'll walk in wisdom to those that are outside. And we will redeem the time. The time that we have down here on this earth, the time that we have in the situations where we are. We will make the most of it by listening to you. Thank you for the help that you constantly give us. We sure, sure appreciate all the help you give us, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.